Today on Blue 58, we borrow a phrase from Kevin Green. It is time. Time, that is, to officially start our preview of the 2023 Packers season. And it all begins with three of the most important decision makers on the team. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink, and I'm happy to be with you here for another episode. It is season preview time. June 8th, as I record this, which puts us roughly six weeks out from the start of training camp. By the end of July, this thing is going to be off and running. So it's time to start taking a look at what we've got for this 2023 Packers team. And we go through this position group by position groups, setting expectations for the guys on the team. I find that is the only real way to measure success. What do you expect from people? What do you really think they're capable of? And then do they meet that? And then you can look back and say, were we right to expect those things of this guy or this position group? Or were we wrong? Were we selling things too high or hopefully setting the bar a little bit too short? The first position group, quote unquote, that we're looking at isn't players at all, but guys that I think you would call the biggest decision makers on the Packers team. Brian Gutekunst, Matt LaFleur, and Joe Barry. Those are the guys that are going to be responsible for shaping most of the Packers this year. I would include Rich Bisaccia in that, but I think we'll wait to do expectations for him until we do the specialist preview. He doesn't have as much of a down-in, down-out, I think, philosophical impact on the Packers as much as things have changed in terms of who the Packers will acquire over the last year or so. He's just not on the same level as even a guy like Joe Barry. And I think Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur being in that group should speak for themselves. These are the guys that are going to shape this 2023 Packers team. And I think it's important to ask ourselves what we really expect from each of these guys before the season even gets started. What is a successful season as well? We should be asking ourselves what does it really take for any given player, any given coach, even a GM connected to the Packers to have a successful season. What do we consider success? So let's talk about each of these guys. Let's start at the very top. We can't really get into, you know, week in, week out expectations for Mark Murphy. So Brian Gutekunst is as high up as it gets in the Packers organization. Brian Gutekunst is heading into year six. For comparison's sake, year six for Ted Thompson was pretty good. It was the 2010 season. And the Packers went on to win the Super Bowl that year. And Ted Thompson, I think, is a pretty good comparison for Brian Gutekunst. Because by 2010, Thompson had rebuilt around Brett Favre and then re-rebuilt around Aaron Rodgers. And a quick aside on the rebuild question. That was a hot topic on certain corners of the Packers' internet a while ago. I don't care really what term you want to call whatever the Packers are doing this year, rebuild, retool, whatever. But I think there is a, a at least a reset going on here. The Packers have changed directions. So if you want to tie it into building or redoing something, how about remodeling? The Packers want something different. They're going to take out some of the old pieces. They're going to put in some new pieces. But a lot of the, the structure there still remains the same. If you need to stick a reword on the 2023 Packers, how about we go with that one? A remodeling. Anyway... By 2010, 
Ted Thompson had rebuilt or remodeled around Brett Favre, then retooled the Packers again around Aaron Rodgers. And when he took over in 2018, Brian Gutekunst kind of did the same thing. He reinvented the late career Packers around Aaron Rodgers, or the late stage Aaron Rodgers Packers, and now he's building around Jordan Love. He got his his last go-round with the previous franchise legend quarterback, and now he has another turn Another shot at building something from the ground up with his hand-picked successor for that legendary quarterback. I think you can also say that Gutekunst is at a turning point. There are only two players remaining on the roster by my count that predate his time as general manager, David Bakhtiari and Aaron Jones. From that perspective, the Packers have never been more Brian Gutekunst's team than right now. And it can't, I think, ever be forgotten that the process of making it Brian Gutekunst's team involved trading two future Hall of Fame players selected by the previous guy, Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. That is always going to be a part of Brian Gutekunst's legacy. Even if he goes on to win multiple Super Bowls with Jordan Love, that's part of the story here. The Packers had two Hall of Fame caliber players over a couple-year period Brian Gutekunst's front office appears to have alienated those guys and eventually traded them out of town. There are two sides to that story. There are legitimate concerns on both sides, I think. Less so probably with Devontae Adams, but getting it to be Brian Gutekunst's team, such as it is heading into the 2023 season, involved moving on from two guys that are headed for the Hall of Fame. As a result, Brian Gutekunst has his guy, quote-unquote, at virtually every position that matters. And on top of that, a number of, quote-unquote, his guys are into their first major contract extension, too. Jair Alexander and Elton Jenkins are two great examples, and Rashawn Gary is coming up for another, uh, for his contract extension here in the very near future. Gutekunst also extended Aaron Jones, so he's kind of a part of that conversation, too, you know, bridging really his time with um, Ted Thompson, you know, being selected in Ted Thompson's final draft to, you know, now being on the Packers on a a second contract and getting even, you know, some money moved around to extend his time on his second contract as well. So Gutekunst has kind of bridged the gap. And I guess from that perspective, you could also say that, you know, David Bakhtiari is in a similar sort of situation too, getting a big contract extension late in the 2020 season. But we don't have to go into how that necessarily played out either. We've we've talked at great length about that. So heading into 2023, where do we think expectations are for Brian Gutekunst? Despite everything turning over from, you know, the Aaron Rodgers era to the Jordan Love era now, I think expectations for Gutekunst have to be pretty high. And it gets hard because I think when you look at fulfilling those expectations, it mostly comes down to just vibes, really. How does this team feel? What do you feel when you think about the 2023 Packers? You know, at the beginning of the season, at the midpoint of the season, at the end of the season, how did we feel about this team? Do they feel competitive? Not necessarily are they winning games, but do they feel competitive? Are they are they getting into games by luck or are they getting in into games because they're this scrappy team of young upstarts that is figuring out ways to win, learning together, growing together, stuff like that? Or do they feel just rudderless, identityless? Are they a team just made up of individuals going through the motions 
waiting for some sort of defining feature that's going to carry them forward. No matter what you think about Aaron Rodgers, no matter how you feel about Aaron Rodgers over the, let's say, after the 2020 season to a month or whatever ago that it was that he finally got traded, shoot, it's been more than a month now. A month only gets back to early May. It is already summer here in football world. Um, whatever you feel about Aaron Rodgers, there was a a defined role, a defined feeling, a defined purpose for the Packers while he was in Green Bay. Everything and everyone connected to the Packers existed in some sort of connection to Aaron Rodgers. Are the receivers enough to help Aaron Rodgers carry this offense? Is the offensive line good enough to protect Aaron Rodgers? Does the run game do enough to support Aaron Rodgers in the passing game? Is the defense going to let Aaron Rodgers and the offense down again? You don't quite have that with Jordan Love. So what is going to be that identity? And the players that you put on a team are going to shape that identity. How has Brian Gutekunst's work shaping this roster as we now head into the post-Rodgers era done to bring those vibes along? What is the defining kind of characteristic of the Brian Gutekunst 2023 Green Bay Packers. We don't know yet, but whether or not they have one, I think will go a long way toward determining how we feel about Brian Gutekunst this season. So expectations are high in that respect, not in terms of the team's performance, because I don't think anybody's really expecting much from the Packers in terms of that sort of thing, but we'll we'll talk about that as it pertains to, to Matt LaFleur. But I think the Packers do need to have some kind of post-Rodgers identity, and getting the raw material to shape that identity is Gutekun's job. How has he done with that? We'll figure it out over the course of the season together. So then what does success look like for Brian Gutekunst, the GM, in 2023? I think there are three things you're going to want to look at. First, are the foundational pieces of this post-Aaron Rodgers team taking steps? No matter who it is, the, you know, the young foundational pieces probably aren't going to be finished products in 2023. And I'm thinking of guys like Jordan Love, Christian Watson, Quay Walker. I would put Eric Stokes in there if he wasn't, you know, coming back from an injury, but guys kind of in that, that neighborhood of their career, talented young players that are still finding out exactly who they are at the NFL level. Do, are, are Gutekunst's picks beginning to pan out? Are the guys that he has established or in some cases acquired as a result or maybe in spite of uh, moves for, you know, Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, how are they shaping the team? Because Christian Watson and Quay Walker are essentially what the Packers got back for Devontae Adams with some other stuff thrown in there. Jordan Love, of course, a big part of Rodgers' exit. And there are other players probably we'll be talking about it at next at this time next year that were a result of the Aaron Rodgers trade. I mean, the Packers got some draft capital back for that. Uh, that is being played out this year. But I don't think you're really looking at those players becoming foundational pieces for the Packers. The core of the Packers is going to be guys like Love and Watson and Walker looking forward. So how are they doing taking steps? Were, were they the correct picks? We'll see some of that in 2023, and that's a big part of whether or not we feel like Brian Gutekunst is heading in the right direction or the Packers are heading in the right direction under Gutekunst. Secondly, how are guys that 
Gutekunst and Company extended or re-signed, continuing to pay off. Thinking of guys like Rasul Douglas and Devondre Campbell. Aaron Jones probably in that camp as well. David Bakhtiari, I think, falls into the camp, that camp too. These are guys that you've ex- invested a tremendous amount of financial resources into. How are they doing? Are they helping the team or are their contracts proving to be a big burden on this re-something franchise? And then finally, how do the rookies look right out of the gate? Because sometimes you can tell right away that guys aren't going to be real players at the NFL level. Sometimes guys make it very clear that you missed your evaluation right out of the gate. Uh, Sometimes it's for injury reasons. Sometimes that it, it's just that they can't play. Think of guys like Jamal Reynolds, uh, Justin Harrell. Uh, maybe Derek Sherrod falls in there, though he did have an injury. His rookie season had you know a, a lockout that really shortened his first rookie offseason, but it was pretty rough early going for, for him. Um, it, sometimes guys just are not good right off the bat. If the Packers have a couple of those guys in this class, I don't think that speaks particularly well of Brian Gutekunst, and the Packers have invested quite a bit in this year's class at some positions of need. How does that shake out? If the Packers' two tight ends don't work out, (laughs) two big swings at a position where they've had needs for a long time, and you miss that badly, that could set the team back again. Just look at how things worked out, you know, post-2010 Super Bowl until the end of the Ted Thompson era, just trying to figure out the secondary. Quentin Rollins, Demarius Randall, HaHa Clinton Dix, Kevin King, you know, the list goes on and on and on. None of those guys really panned out. That's a that's a big part of why the Packers, you know, didn't get back to the Super Bowl. They just didn't have the players at a position of need. Well, the Packers too, took two big swings at a position of need at tight end this year. If those guys don't pan out, they're right back where they were. That's sometimes how it works in the NFL. you got to keep pouring resources into a position, but it sure hurts you a lot when you miss when you've got big needs. So that's Brian Gutekunst. What about Matt LaFleur? Heading into year five, we are halfway through a decade of Matt LaFleur after this season. So far, he's been undeniably, I think, successful in a lot of ways, but his teams have also undeniably come completely unglued at some key moments. The Packers have had quite a few gotta-have-it moments over the Lafleur era and have come up short basically every single time. The 2019 NFC Championship game, yep, the Packers were probably punching above their weight getting to the NFC Championship that year anyway. They looked like they did not belong in that field. Coming up short is, I think, the perfect description of the 2020 NFC Championship, not unlike the 2014 NFC Championship in that A couple things go slightly different, and the Packers are probably in the Super Bowl that year, but they just could not get out of their own way. Uh, Darnell Savage giving up a huge completion on a third and long, uh, the end of half Hail Mary, Aaron Aaron Jones fumbling, uh, Devontae Adams dropping a couple passes in the end zone, Aaron Rodgers deciding to make a tough throw instead of running for the end zone, Matt LaFleur you know, deciding to kick a field goal instead of going for it late in the game. Pick it, pick any number of things. The Packers just completely fell apart and were still in that game despite getting in their own way so many times. Do the Packers just play, like, across the board a B-plus game in that game? They embarrass Brady and the Buccaneers and coast to the Super Bowl. 
I mean, they put a B plus performance around some of the good things that they actually did. I mean, picking off Brady three times and you're just an above average team. In addition to that, you should cruise to a victory, but the Packers just could not get out of their own way. 2021 divisional round game. I mean, we've been over this one before, but just you can't score two touchdowns worth of points in the playoffs at home. Week 18. I mean, any number of examples from the 2022 season about the Packers not being able to get out of their own way, but I got to have a game against the Detroit Lions at Lambeau Field in December or whenever it was, January, I guess. in the cold part of the year, that is what the Packers are supposed to do best. You know, you can talk about, does the weather actually help the Packers anymore? Do they really play that well at Lambeau Field when it's cold? This, that, and the other thing. But when you're the head coach of the Green Bay Packers, that is what you are supposed to do well. And with that on the line, with everything in front of them, Lafleur and his team came up short. Sure, it's not all on him, but when you're the head coach and stuff like that is on your resume, and there have been previous things like that that have happened to you, I mean, twice is a coincidence, three times becomes a trend. What does it say about you when it happens four or five or six times and your team just comes apart in key moments? So what are the expectations for Matt LaFleur? Successful? Sure. Bad in some big moments? Sure. Where do we put him in 2023? It's kind of high expectations again. I think it's got to be high expectations, but in a different sort of way than it's ever been before. Because I think this is a whole new ball game for Lafleur and the Packers. As far as team success goes, I don't know if the bar has ever been lower in the Lafleur era. I don't really know what the national media was saying about the 2019 Packers, but I think everybody expected them at least to get back to the playoffs pretty comfortably, especially given, you know, what the Packers had done in the 2019 offseason, the talent on the team, a new, you know, a new head coach, a new offense, things were supposed to be better. Well, there's a lot more change going on heading into 2023 than there was in 2019. So I don't think anybody really has terribly high hopes for the Packers as a team this year. Best case scenario, I would say, judging by the national media, is they get back to the playoffs. And to be fair, that'd be pretty great. I'd be, I'd be happy, you know, as a football fan, as a Packers fan watching this team, you know, go to the playoffs, maybe win the NFC North, which I think is pretty wide open. That would be, that would be exciting. But I don't know if that's what people expect of the Packers. That said, low expectations doesn't mean no expectations. So here's what I think we're looking at. First, the offense cannot get worse than it was in 2022. The Packers' 2022 offense wasn't great overall, but they still clawed their way to the middle of the road after a pretty rough start. And I think if you can't be at least as good as broken thumb Aaron Rodgers Packers offense type stuff, well, then I think we've got real problems because the rest of the offense is basically intact and has has indeed actually upgraded at a couple spots, I think. Secondly, Jordan Love can't look like an absolute disaster. Matt LaFleur is, I think, an under-discussed part of the Jordan Love pairing. Brian Gutekunst picked him, but Matt LaFleur has got to make it work. And boy, is everybody, is every NFL head coach some version of the, I don't know, say it's a guy or a girl that looks at a troubled romantic interest and says, I can fix them. I can do it. Many others have failed. 
Not me. I can do it. I can make it work with anybody. And there's no more intriguing potential partner than a talented quarterback with some flaws to his game. Matt LaFleur's job for years now has been to work those flaws out of Jordan Love's game. And now, much like a Week 18 or whatever home game with a playoff line or playoff berth on the line, everything is in front of him. Matt LaFleur has had time to work with Jordan Love. They've had a chance to acquire skill position players that are going to work with Jordan Love. You've got a solid offensive line in front of them. Your offensive coordinator is a very successful offensive line coach who has made any number of unusual combinations work for your offensive line. You are considered one of the bright uh, play callers in the game. All the pieces are there. If Jordan Love can't succeed in that environment, either he was a bum that you shouldn't have picked in the first place, or that says something pretty bad about you as a developer of quarterback talent. Please, please, don't read that as me saying that I think Jordan Love is a bum. I don't think that. That's just a, <laughs> it's possible you got your read wrong uh, when you picked him. That doesn't mean that I think that's what Jordan Love is. Just want to clarify that. If Jordan Love, though, can't make it work with all this stuff around him, I think it does reflect on the guys that have been you know, put in place to coach him up over these past few years. And finally, this is another kind of squishy one, but I think the, the vibe around the team has to be better. There were a lot of times, I think, last year where the Packers seemed like they were sick of each other or sick of perhaps certain coaches. Aaron Rodgers at times felt like he was sick of everybody. And maybe there were some people in the locker room, at least judging by a lot of anonymous reporting, that seemed a little bit sick of Aaron Rodgers. That is no way to run a football team. And if you can't improve on that in your first season after that guy leaves town, that is a problem. We talked about leadership at points last season. We brought in the Pacific Rim example of Idris Elba's character, Stacker Pentecost. What is a leader supposed to be? A leader is supposed to be the fixed point. And if the Packers can't rally around Matt LaFleur, their fixed point in 2023 to make things better, you know, just as a feel around the team than they were in 2022, that I think is a problem. So what does success look like? We had three qualifications for expectations. I think there are three areas where we can look at that give the Packers, you know, some loose guidelines for what's a successful season for Matt LaFleur. First, Jordan Love has to look solid. You had all the time in the world to get him ready. You've built up guys around him. There should be a solid offensive foundation there. He's got to look solid. If he doesn't, that's a problem. Second, the offense has to look refreshed. I don't think we're going to see a totally different offense than what the Packers ran with Aaron Rodgers. I think that's fool's gold by, uh, you know, a lot of potential clickbait peddlers out there saying that the offense is going to be completely different under Jordan Love. I just don't think that's the case. They're going to have basic offensive principles that are going to look a lot like what Matt LaFleur has done over the years with some changes, some tweaks alongside of that. So maybe some more motion, uh, maybe getting back to some of the boot action type stuff, but the broad strokes of this offense are going to be basically the same as we've seen 2019 through 2022. Finally, the team's got to hold together this year. Even if things are not going well from a win-loss perspective, there's a difference 
there are different ways that you can lose. You can lose because you're just not ready to compete, or you can lose because you aren't a team yet. And I think there is a small but significant difference between those two things. If you are just not quite where you're going to be yet, you're going to lose some games that you should win just because your guys haven't figured out how to win together. And that is, I think, a really, I don't want to say unpopular thing to say in 2023, but it's its pretty harshly like analytics and data and stuff. Just getting guys time together, getting time to grow as a team is a hard thing to quantify, but it's something that you need to have. And if Lafleur can get the team growing that way, for 2023 at least, I think the wins and losses are almost immaterial. It's always nice to win rather than lose, but if they are losing and they're losing in the right way, being competitive, taking steps, having guys find their role on this team, figuring out who they are as pros, that is still in a way success. Yes, professional sports, all sports are broadly speaking zero-sum games. There are winners and losers, and if the Packers are losing games, yes, in a sense they are losers, but I think understanding that they're building or trying to build for something greater than what they're going to be in 2023 and evaluating what they do in light of that is going to be important, and if Lafleur can get his team to that sort of attitude and feel, that I think is a success for 2023. Finally, Joe Barry. Year three, and I think heading into year three, we got to do comparisons to Mike Pettin. Because Mike Pettin came in and was supposed to be the guy who helped the Packers get to the Super Bowl. He wasn't that guy under Mike McCarthy. He wasn't that guy under Matt LaFleur. But he got them fairly close, helped them get close. And after his third year, and one pretty notable failure, he was no longer the guy and was allowed to leave when his contract expired. Now, we talked about this in what Joe Barry worries about. But if Joe Barry is on the same contract schedule that Mike Pettin was, he is in year three, which means that his contract is about to expire. Should things not go the Packers' way in 2023, is Joe Barry shown the door and just say, you know, we just say, hey, didn't work out. We're not going to offer you another contract. Them's the break sometimes. If so... How would we know that you know, he didn't meet expectations? Well, looking back to Mike Patton, NFC Championship aside, and that game, as we've already discussed in this podcast, I didn't intend to talk so much about the 2020 NFC Championship. But like, like I said, it wasn't all his fault. Other than that game, the 2020 Packers had a pretty solid defense. They were 13th in scoring that year, 9th in yards allowed, 7th in passing yards allowed, 13th in rushing yards allowed, 17th by DVOA. So not a great defense, but good enough, I would say, to be a winning defense. And getting to that ballpark seems like a pretty good bar for Joe Barry in 2023. So what are the expectations for Barry? Hasn't been good in 20, hasn't been outstanding really at any point, but there have been times where the Packers defense has been pretty good. And continuing the comparison to 2020, I don't think Barry necessarily has less talent to work with than the 2020 Packers. Safeties in 2020 were better. Uh, Edge started in a better spot. You had uh, Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary all healthy, all ready to go for 2020. The Packers are not there at this point. 
But the 2023 linebackers are better. The 2023 cornerbacks are probably better overall. Uh, The 2023 defensive line, maybe not quite as good, but certainly not appreciably worse. So I don't think it's a big ask to want Barry to get to be at least as good as where the Packers were in 2020. Don't be worse than the season that got Mike Pettin his walking papers is probably not an outrageous bar. Beyond that, I think we're looking to have Joe Barry put his best players in a position to do what they do best. Yes, the defensive results were not necessarily terrible at times in 2022, but I don't think anybody would really argue that Jair Alexander or Kenny Clark were necessarily maximized in what the Packers asked them to do. We also should be asking Barry and his staff to bring along the Packers' young players in a meaningful way. So guys like Quay Walker, Lucas Van Ness, right off the top, uh, guys that are young, athletic, talented, plenty of upside, show some steps for both of those guys. What does successful, a successful season look like then for Joe Barry? First, the Packers' defense isn't consistently the reason that they lose. There have been bright spots that I think has been a major criticism of Barry, that when the Packers do lose, it is often because of some flagrant, glaring weakness in the defense. Secondly, integrating his young players quickly. There are guys that are returning from injury, like Eric Stokes and Rashawn Gary, guys that are just arriving in the NFL, like Lucas Van Ness. Get them into the defense, get them up to speed, get them ready to go as quickly as you can. And finally, put your established players in roles that align with their skills. Use the guys that you have to do what they do best. I know there's been some discussion about how it's not necessarily easy to just say, hey, we're going to play man in these situations, play zone in these situations. That may be true, but a coach's job is not to have a philosophy and try to jam his players into his philosophy. It's to figure out how to best use your players. That is coaching. The other stuff is just drawing plays. Coaching is figuring out how to do the best you can with the guys you got, not compare the guys you have to some hypothetical perfect situation where everyone can run your scheme. That's just not how it works. You've got to figure out how to use the guys that you have. And whether or not Barry is able to do that is going to be a defining feature of what he does with the 2023 Packers. That's all I've got for you in this episode of Blue 58. I'm excited to begin to turn our attention toward an actual football season. It's been a long time, a long off season, but football for real is on the horizon. If you enjoyed this episode, bring some more people along with you. Uh, share this episode with somebody you think would enjoy it that's going to get more people in on this conversation about the Green Bay Packers and in turn help all of us become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.